Adam Crowley Show. Oh, he went to the bottom. I give up, man. If you're not going to be honest about it, I give. John, Thanks my nipple looks on. like my Bye-bye. nipple looks like my cat, like a like my cat's nipple. <laughs> Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Hide your kids, hide your wife, and then tell them that we're doing a radio show up in here. The Steelers and Kennywood have come to an agreement that in 2019 there will be a Steelers country section of Kennywood. Uh, I thought that was just called West Mifflin, but here's the deal. The roller coaster that they're putting up looks so badass. But I gotta ask, how long after a roller coaster is open will you wait before you get up? Because I ain't trying to be the first dude on that thing. Oh, I didn't even think no of that. No chance, man. That's a good point, Crowley. Give it a month. Yeah. Uh, I want to know people ride on that thing for a month and no one gets their head lopped off. No one has a heart attack. Falls out of the out of the car or anything exactly. like that. Yep, yep. That's smart. Let the lemmings go first. The guinea pigs hop in. If there's any problems and you know not to get, that's brilliant, man. That's good thinking. That's how you survive in this world. Yeah, I'm a paranoid son of a bitch. So <laughs> that's that's where that comes from. That's where that was born. Uh, I do wonder though if the pirates had a ride, if it would just collapse. Like you go all the way up and then it would collapse. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it starts off real fast. And everyone thinks it's a great time, and then all of a sudden, just, oh, it's terrible. It's yeah, total done. I think it would go like this, too. Like, the park would be like, hey, everybody, this ride is the greatest ride ever. It's the best. It's going to be so good. And then you get on it, and it sucks. Terrible. Yeah. So they just start selling pieces of it off, so it yeah. still sucks, <laughs> but it's just less money to run. Hey, what are the important parts we have on this ride? Let's off them. Let's get rid of them. That'll be awesome. They should have an Artie Burns roller coaster that just does not live up to expectations. Oh, no. What happened there? I didn't mean to say that. You know, Ben Roethlisberger designed his own roller coaster. That's what he told me. Roller coaster tycoon. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was all his. His idea. (laughs) Nobody else's. Ben (laughs) invented the coaster. He designed it straight from the ground up. He designed it from the ground up. He came up with it at the last minute too. I bet he did. Yep, right there on the uh, right there on the parking lot of the old uh, of the old amusement park. He took a stick, and he actually drew out the <laughs> blueprints in the ground, and then they built it up for him. Is exactly what happened. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Give me your Steelers themed rides. The log jammer sounds like a Todd Haley offense. It just gets jammed up around the goal line. Joey Porter, it just ends up smoking a lot and nothing ever really happens. <laughs> it won't start. It's smoking. <laughs> some pieces might fall out on some high school kids if they're walking by, too. Mike Tomlin doesn't think there's anything wrong with it. He's like, let's keep it around. No problems here. Yeah, that's the ride you get on after that. <laughs> like, you go over there and then it explains exactly what happened to you and how it's not a big deal. How about the Cornell Lake? Ooh. It's just like a lazy river. <laughs> Give us your contributions at underscore Adam Crowley. 
Le'Veon Bell still taking a lot of heat on social media. Uh, we've mentioned his name now 18,003 times this week on the Crowley Show. Uh, he's getting killed. Uh, Steelers fans, they don't think he's that good because they're putting up their walls, or the ones who do think he's good think that he's making a huge mistake. But everyone, everybody seems to think this guy is selfish. And he is. So we can all agree on that one. I do a segment like this probably once a month, maybe a little bit less than that. Once a month, maybe in football season. Selfish isn't bad. It's not. It's bad to you because you're a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, so you want everything that happens in the world of football to be beneficial to that football franchise. You want everything to work out the way that the black and gold would want it to work out. And you got to remember these are human beings. And you can say that maybe Le'Veon Bell made a wrong choice here. Perhaps he gets hurt and never makes the money that the Steelers had offered him on the table. Maybe it never works out. But he's doing it because he thinks it's in his own best interest. We get in this team mentality. And we look at sports and we say, you have to sacrifice your good for the good of the team. And when you're on the field, I get that. That's part of it. You block a shot to help out your goaltender. Uh, If someone punches your teammate in the face, you punch that guy in the face. Uh, If someone takes a liberty at your quarterback, you then put that guy on his ass. It's what you do. But when you're talking about money, and you're talking about your family, and you're talking about not just this generation, but the next generation, and the generation after that, and the generation after that, you got to be selfish. you got to look out for yourself. Jack Johnson, Penguins' new blue liner, got robbed clean by his parents. If you can't trust your family, who are you going to trust? Yourself. I trust my wife. I trust my parents. I trust Brian. I trust Tom. I trust a few of my friends. That's it. Actually sounds like a bigger list than I wanted it to be. But I trust who I trust, and only them. And the person that I trust more than anybody is just me. Because I have my own self-interest in my mind. You have to. If you don't, nobody else is going to help you. Le'Veon Bell's agent is whispering things in his his ear. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's agent wants him to do things uh, to make not only Le'Veon money, but the agent money. But Le'Veon missed out on a legitimate rookie contract. Uh, Le'Veon has not made the money to this point that he would have had he been a first-round pick. And he's trying to make up for that. And he's trying to make up for that because he knows that at the running back position, your body breaks down. You bash your head against an offensive line and a defensive line and whatever's in your way uh, 30 times a game over the course of 16 games, if you're lucky, and then over the course of 10 years in your NFL career. And it's like car wreck after car wreck after car wreck after car wreck, and you better be damn sure he wants to get paid for that. He saw what happened to Ryan Shazier. He knows what happens to players who wind up with CTE, the junior sales of the world, the Mike Webster's of the world, uh, people whose quality of life, like Jim McMahon, goes totally downhill. Now McMahon did some other things, but football does that to people. And it's a risk-reward type business for these players. 
you know now what could possibly happen to you. And in the last three decades, you didn't have as good of a grasp. We've got a pretty darn good grasp now that football isn't the best thing for your brain. It's not. It's not great for you. Head against wall, head against wall, head against wall, head against wall. Not good. Not good for you. No, not at all. And he wants to be compensated for that. So that whenever he is 50 years old, and maybe he is all beat up and decrepit, he can at least say, you know what? I'm happy I did what I did. I'm happy I made the decisions I made and the choices because now my family for the next 100 years is going to be great. You have to do that for yourself because no one else is going to help you. The NFL ain't helping you. It's not a player-friendly league. The franchise tag protects the teams. And yeah, they get guaranteed money and BOCO money, but they don't get the longevity that a guaranteed contract would provide. There are no guaranteed, fully guaranteed contracts uh, in the NFL. Uh, the league ain't looking out for them there. The league's not looking out for them with the anthem stuff. And that's just part of it. But it all circles around my point that you have to look out for yourself or no one else is going to. Uh, the organization, you might think they care about you. And the Roonies are good people, but they're business people first and foremost. And when you're not good enough anymore, you're going to get cut. James Harrison wasn't good enough when he got cut the first time around. Well, it was like the 17th time around. But the first time he got cut and then wound up with the Bengals. Steelers didn't want to pay him what his contract said that he was worth. Because he wasn't that kind of player anymore. Lamar Woodley wasn't that kind of player anymore. The Steelers will cut bait with you. Any NFL team will cut bait with you if they can't get back what they want to get back in terms of production. So, man, you got to do you. You got to look out for yourself. And fans scream, win, 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 win. Do what's best for your brother. Do what's best for your teammate. You know who my teammate is? My wife. You know what my teammates are? My family. I care about my teammates here at work. But, man, I'd shoot Brian instead of shooting my wife. Back at you, buddy. Yeah, it's just the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, hey, we understand it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even shoot you before I have to shoot my dog, you know I mean? No, I'd, I'm fine with that. Same way goes it back just, to you. It's just the reality. Yeah, that's what it is, man. My I love team, you, though. I love you, too. My team is my family. And, and you know, Brian and, and Tom and my friends, other than them, I mean, I care deeply about these guys. But you can only care for someone else so much. You have to live with yourself. So Le'Veon Bell needs to do what's best for him. He needs to do what's best for his family because if he doesn't, the Steelers aren't going to do right by him. The league's not going to do right by him. His agent isn't trying to do right by him. Uh, it's a bunch of people pulling him different directions, and he's got to do what's best for himself. But what about winning? What about Super Bowls? What about championships? That's what's most important to you. 30,000 feet looking at this sports thing. We always try to separate sports from life. Don't talk about politics. Stick to sports. Don't talk about social issues. Stick to sports. Well, social issues are ingrained in sports. Politics are ingrained in sports. Sports are just a part of life. And at a pro level, sports are a business. And any one of us is going to do what's best for us, not what's best for our company. 
if what we wind up doing is good for the company, great. Like when Antonio Brown says, I want to catch 150 balls, he's saying that because he wants to catch 150 balls for him, but it does wind up helping the company. But you have to do what's best for yourself. And ultimately, if any of us were given an opportunity, like what Le'Veon Bell was given, where we can make some guaranteed cash and then get out to perhaps more than that on top of what we've already made, we're all doing it. And that gets deemed selfish in the sports world, but in the real world, that's just business. I think we need to look at it differently in the sports world. You can call it selfish if you want, but we should stop with the negative connotation. Selfish ain't bad. Selfish is you looking out for you because nobody else will. 412-922-2874. As I mentioned, tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. We were talking about James Harrison before and what he had to say about Mike Tomlin uh, not being as disciplined of a coach as Bill Belichick. Michael tweets, of course, Bill B's a better coach. The record speaks for itself, but Tomlin is a great coach in his own right. He can and will continually improve. Bill wasn't always great. Well, yeah, sure thing. Do you think that it's fair to say, though, that you should get at least to a Super Bowl with Bell and Brown and Ben? And he said, absolutely, but it's always something, ain't it? This year, like last, we'll constantly say, but if only the defense. And don't underestimate the value of other coach on that team, Brady. Do we have that consistently? I don't know what the hell you're talking about there. But, yes, uh, I do think if you switched Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick, or if you switched Brady and Ben, I think the side with Brady has more championships. Uh, I think that Mike Tomlin's a really good coach. I think that Bill Belichick's a great coach. Uh, but I think that the gap between quarterbacks is even greater. But we'll save that discussion for another day. Coming up next, Matt Geikup of a number of different outlets. He will join us to talk about everything regarding the Steelers. And I do want to talk a little bit about Larry Fedora and some of the, co- the comments he made yesterday, the head coach of UNC. What a nimrod. It's a Crowley show. Sally Wigan likes him, and so should you. Adam, I think I think having millennials on the radio is awesome. I don't hate you. God. Adam Crowley. My dogs listen to you when I walk out the door. <laughs> on ESPN Pittsburgh. All right, I'm going to answer this one more time. Just one more time, okay? Because it, it keeps coming up over and over and over again. Jake posts on our Facebook page. At https colon backslash backslash www.facebook.com slash Crowley show slash messages slash. Well, you don't go to the messages part, actually. He says, Is it unthinkable that the Steelers do franchise Bell next year at 17 million? That would make Bell 28 going into 2021. Don't think a team will give him a five year, 80 million deal at 28. He would actually make $25 million on the franchise tag next year because after the second year, you then take the averages of the quarterbacks. It's a wonky rule, but that's the case. So, no, they're not going to pay Le'Veon Bell $25 million for next season. Absolutely not. That is $11 million more than the Steelers are looking to pay, uh, as the recent contract negotiation would bear out. Uh, before we hear from Matt Geica, I wanted to get into, briefly, the Larry Fedora comments, the UNC football coach that he made yesterday, He's a self-important, narrow-minded prick, and he said, quote, Our game is under attack. 
I fear the game will be pushed so far from what we know that we won't recognize it in 10 years. And if it does, our country will go down too. End quote. Uh, we bring on Matt Geica now to discuss. And uh, Matt, you uh, made some comments about this on Twitter yesterday. But how self important do football coaches have to feel? Like, if their game takes a step back, that the entire country's going to crumble with it. Well, um, I would say I'm surprised, but I'm really not, because especially in college, that's the way that these guys think. And it reminds me of some statements Jim Harbaugh made. I think it was the 60 Minutes last year where he said football was the last chance for men to be men, and da 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 blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking there are plenty of other sports out there that, that test you physically and, and mentally, to the same extent as football, without the dangers of concussions, without the dangers of CTE, without getting your leg broken. I just hate the false dichotomy that either you play football or you're a wuss. It's just not like that. And for these guys to act like that's the case, they're not convincing anybody. At least they're not convincing people who aren't totally bought into whatever they're trying to sell. It sounds like a guy that I ran into at a bar three years ago. Uh, He was from New York City. And I was inebriated. He was very inebriated. And I made a smarmy comment about how New York pizza is overrated or something like that. And he said, get up, you tiny guy. I'm going to kick your ass. And I said, why? And he said, you're talking bleep about New York. And I said, I'm talking bleep about the pizza, and you're going to fight me for that? And he says, you're not a real man. Give me a break. You know what being a real man is? Sitting down and talking about your differences. It's knowing how to take a joke. Uh, It's being mature for your age. Uh, Those are the things that I think should define you uh, as opposed to, oh, I'm going to thump my chest because I'm the guy who in high school knew how to come around an edge and hit a quarterback in the face. (laughs) You know what else is tough? Uh, Playing golf is tough to come back from a mistake. It's like you can learn character from a whole bunch of things. And um, the idea that you have to be trained as some sort of pseudo-warrior, which is what we do to football players at a young age, is ludicrous. It's not a have-to proposition. If you want to play, that's fine. I'm not going to get in your way if you're an adult especially. I do have a problem with high school kids playing football, actually. But once you get past the age of... uh, Under attack! Under attack! It's under attack! Don't do that! Come on now! (laughs) Once you get past the age of adulthood, do what you want. It doesn't bother me. But don't try to come at me with this. Uh, this thought that football is the only one true way and that our army, of all things, is going to fall off. You realize, I don't know if Larry Fedora had a friend who went through basic training like I did, a guy who went to West Point. Um, you know, there's no room for, um, for anything less than a complete tough guy at, or a tough woman at West Point or at these service academies. I think they do okay even if they don't play football. Yeah, I think I think that'll help them become good men and women. Uh, I think that'll challenge them uh, both emotionally and physically and mentally. Uh, Matt Geica joining us here on the Crowley Show. I'm interested in your perspective on the Le'Veon Bell situation, and maybe not so much about Bell in particular, but just about the culture that we are in where an athlete like Le'Veon Bell can be looked at as selfish for doing what he thinks is in his best interest. I don't think selfish always has to have a negative connotation. Well, no. Uh, self-interested is okay, right? I think selfish, we can leave that as being the, the bad word, so to speak. But it's okay to look out for oneself in the world because, really, no one else is going to outside of your, your close uh, family and, and friends. So uh, Bell is in every right to do this. Now, maybe people expect 
say if you play for a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're supposed to buy into how they negotiate contracts and all this. Well, I don't think that's been the case ever, but Le'Veon Bell is a guy who's not afraid to use his platform um, to express his discontent, unlike maybe some Steelers of the past who probably had disagreements with how they went about these negotiations. And his problem is probably with the NFLPA as much as anything, with these ludicrous franchise tag rules, um, to be able to just roll a guy's contract over one year at a time. Um, that advantages the team much more than it does the player, even if the player does collect quite a bit in this system. So uh, there are, are various people to be angry at. There are various entities or, or forces, market forces to be angry at. But I don't think Le'Veon Bell is one of them. He's, um, he's doing what he can. It's the most difficult position probably to have a long career in football, maybe short of defensive line or, uh, or something like that. So, um, yeah, he's got to cash in or else he's going to be out of a job at some point soon, most likely. Uh, and I'm not infringing upon his conditioning or strength or anything like that. It's just the fact of the, of the matter of being a running back in the NFL. What did you think about, and we'll talk about this a little bit uh, after you're off as well uh, to the audience there. We'll, we'll tell you guys what's going on. Uh, yeah, leave me out. Yeah, I'll leave you out of it. But uh, I do want to get into <laughs> this uh, with you a little bit right now. Uh, Rob Manfred was talking about uh, Mike Trout, and it was taken as if he was saying he doesn't do enough to market himself or then in turn to market the game of baseball. Uh, I agree that baseball stars aren't marketed well enough, but hey, if Mike Trout doesn't want to go out there and do it for himself, then uh, I really don't think it's on the commissioner of the sport to be calling him out. I think that's a bad look. Yeah, that was a rare slip-up in public for Rob Manfred for me. I've liked how he's pushed the old guard of baseball to think about different things, pitch clock. Um, I don't agree with banning shifting or anything like that, but at least he's thinking outside the box. He's trying to find different ways to, to make the game more entertaining. But to besmirch your best player, and it's not even close, he's been the best player in baseball for several years, and he probably will be for several more uh, if, uh, if his aging curve is anything like what we're used to seeing from star players. But Mike Trout, yeah, he doesn't have the greatest personality, but it's not on him to figure this out. And I think what Manfred was afraid to say was, was the truth, which is that baseball doesn't have the cultural relevance that it once did. And uh, the nature of the game, also uh, the, the competition that's out there for eyeballs and attention spans, just attention spans changing, social media, everything different now. Uh, baseball isn't one of these sports that transitions very well or has transitioned very well to the new media age, which is ironic because they've made so much money off of their MLB advanced media. Um, if, you, if you are a baseball nut, you can access it and watch it and appreciate it more than ever before, but it's just not a very gifable sport. It's not, it doesn't translate to a viral environment as well as basketball or even hockey or football um, with their highlights. So it's an uphill battle for Mike Trout for Major League Baseball, and I agree with you that Manfred said the wrong thing there. And even if he does have some resentments for Mike Trout not being the most outgoing guy in the world, the bigger problem is the platform and the sport that he's operating within, not the player himself. Did you happen to hear James Harrison's comments about Mike Tomlin today? Uh, I saw the one uh, tweet from, what was it, on Undisputed or something? Yes. On FF1. Yeah, I saw what he had to say there. And Are we that surprised? Really? Nope. I think we all picture Bill Belichick as a bigger hard-ass than Mike Tomlin, right? Uh, I do wonder, though, how many people would live up to, not Bill Belichick's standard, but a standard of being more quote-unquote professional and buttoned up than Mike Tomlin around the league. And I'd be interested to see what players thought of each individual coach 
and whether or not they're getting punished going to meetings and things of that nature. I'd like to know where Tomlin stacks up amongst them. It's not necessarily fair to compare anybody to the coach that's the greatest of all time. Well, that's a great point. And Bill Belichick has all those championships, all those regular season wins, all those years that he's made something out of nothing or something out of uh, less than what we thought he had. Um, to the point where we all just pencil in the Patriots into the AFC Championship game, as we probably should at this point. But um, I would put Mike Tomlin in the top half, probably, just going on context clues of guys who are, who are tough, who, um, uh, who, who keep guys accountable. I'll put it that way. Maybe he has some other players' coach qualities, quote-unquote, but um, I wouldn't put him in a soft coach category, no doubt about that. But Belichick is probably by himself, right? I Maybe Tom Coughlin was up there as far as... Yeah, it's a great player. one. Yeah, he, he's one of those old guard guys. Uh, and Belichick, to his credit, keeps some of those old guard values, but he adjusts with the times and he adjusts with the game. So I suppose that if you're a, a fan of that coach as authoritarian, Belichick is probably right at the top of your list right now. And um, he will be until he retires, no doubt. Now, I know that Pete Carroll lost a championship to Bill Belichick, but he certainly fits in the fun side of things, the players coach side of things, and he's had success too. Uh, just because, uh, to play devil's advocate to myself from earlier, because I was landed on Tom and fairly thick, uh, if you are a players coach, you can still win that way too. It doesn't mean that you have to be a hard ass to get the job done. Well, right, there's a balance to be struck either way. If, if you're the tough guy coach, then you can also alienate players quickly. And Bill Belichick could not be the way he is, and go 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven every year. I don't think that works. And, um, you know, with Mike Tomlin or, or, say, Pete Carroll might be even more of the lax type of a personality or fun-loving personality, you run the risk of not having guys' attention and not having their respect and not keeping that accountability, maybe losing the room that way. So you have to just pick and choose. And you go with your personality as a coach, and you try to make sure that you have enough checks and balances, whether it be with your assistant coaches or the leadership that you have, in the locker room, and um, you just try to make sure you don't tilt too far in one direction or the other, and, and that's the biggest challenge for, I guess, any coach or any leader um, if you want to take it outside of the world of sports. Matt, appreciate your time and your perspective as always, man. Uh, we're going to get into this coming up in the next segment, so I'll ask you now. You're a healthy guy, so eh, you, you, you're probably not going to have a difficult decision to make here, but for me, it is hard, and for my friends, it's hard, and for Brian, it'll be hard, but coffee or booze, if you had to give up one? Oh, goodness. I feel like... I do like to have a drink at the end of the night, man. As much as I like to uh, get all jacked up for the day and, and have my coffee, I think I could find other caffeine delivery systems, so I think I might give up coffee and just try to find something else uh, that could uh, get me going in the morning. I asked the question this morning whenever I was drinking a cup of coffee, but now as it gets closer and closer to quitting time, uh, I, I think I'd have a different answer. Uh, I appreciate your time, pal. Yeah, you got it. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. You too. There he goes, Matt Geica. Uh, he writes for uh, PiratesProspects.com. He writes for uh, PittsburghHockeyNow.com, part owner there. And he does a really good job with everything he does. A lot of thought there, always coming from Matt Geica. Uh, I ask you the question, though, coming up next. Coffee or booze, if you had to give up one. Because this morning, I needed coffee. Uh, I And I drink a cup every morning. I'm not an addict where I drink it all day long like Brian does. But Thanks, man. I was going to sleep last night, and I was excited to wake up and drink coffee. And that's been a, a new theme in my life over the last couple of weeks. It just sort of started. I can't wait to 
wake up the next morning so I can get my coffee. That being said, I am an embarrassing drunk on the weekend. So we'll talk it out next. And it's the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. It's Crowley Show. Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Miami Dolphins say that they're going to suspend any players who kneel for the National Anthem. We'll get to that coming up in the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. But first, my Twitter poll from today, also unsponsored, at underscore Adam Crowley. If you had to give up one, coffee or alcohol, what you giving up? And we've got a lot of votes on this already. Uh, 60% of the people thereabouts, 59, would give up coffee. 41% would give up alcohol. This morning, whenever I came up with the poll, I was buzzing like a mother bleeper off a of coffee. I was all ready to do my prep. I gotta walk the dog. I'm gonna come back in. I'm gonna watch an episode of The Wire. I'm gonna walk my dog. I'm gonna do some more prep. I'm gonna do some more prep. I'm gonna do some more prep. I'm gonna take a shower. I'm gonna take a shower. Don't fall in the shower. Come on down. I was all jammed up. I was all ready to rock. And I was thinking, oh, I ain't never, I ain't never given up coffee. I'd give up alcohol before I gave up coffee. And now it's 5.42 and 18 seconds, which means that I am an hour and 18 minutes away from getting an opportunity to have myself a frosty beverage. And you know what? I could never give up alcohol. (laughs) And maybe that means that I'm going to have to go to a meeting one day. Maybe that means that I'll bump into Zheng Ho Gung. But. I ain't ever giving it up. I ain't ever giving it up. That question blew my mind this morning. Like, it blew, like my head imploded. Because you know me, I drink coffee constantly. You do. Like, I have a coffee in my hand, and I know it's not healthy, so save it, everybody. I guess, Don't come at me on it. I know it's not healthy. But I drink coffee all day long. Like, I'll start when I wake up around, like, 5.30. And until 9 at night, I'll have a coffee. That's like, not healthy, man. Don't come at me, bro. And Tom's I'll, back, by the way. Yeah, hey, Tom, welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, good to yeah, we'll talk about that later. But, uh, yeah, so I need my coffee. When I wake up in the morning, I need it. I got to have it. Like, I cannot function. I can't take a shower. I can't do anything until that thing's You probably get a splitting headache if you don't have one. I don't really, no. but it's just like a, it's, a, it's a mental thing. Like, I just need to have that brewing when I get in the shower, and then I can come right out of the shower. I don't have to wait for it to brew. It's ready to go. And then I just punch through all day long. That's done. I fill it up again. I go back to the office Keurig. I fill up some more. But I love alcohol, too. But I got it like, so if like this is a Sophie's Choice here. It is. I got to look at this what... It's harder than Sophie's Choice. Yeah, that's true. I got to look at what affects most of my day. And I think it's coffee. Because I'm not drinking during work. I have a cup of coffee every day. I don't drink a beer every day anymore. <laughs> so... From a day-to-day standpoint, I need coffee, but to make my life worth living, I need alcohol. I need, at the end of some bad days, you got to have a beer. And at the end of a week, to have like eight or nine, don't drive, but just chill, back deck, slurping, bro. Man. What about you, Tom? I don't think it's that hard, honestly. I'd give up coffee 
forever and it wouldn't even be that big of a problem. There's other ways you can get yourself up in the morning. One is just having a full eight hours of sleep. Oh, sound, I mean, Jesus. Sound like a- well, I'm just saying. Austin tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Both give me diarrhea, but only one got me laid. Goodbye, coffee. That is a very good point. Mm-hmm. That's exact. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, the women in my life would still have to drink. That's for sure. Like, if I gave up alcohol, they'd still have to drink just so I could get some. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the inhibitions need to be slightly diminished in order for any of us to get some. Oh, exactly. Even Tom, who rocks that hard body with the shirt off all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me it's alcohol I'm keeping. See you, coffee. Goodbye. Alcohol, but I got to get rid of alcohol. I got to go with coffee. Coffee. That's my tackle. Well, for fuel. you, you need you need coffee. I, I think Brian needs coffee. Uh, for me, I could find a way to wake up in the morning and do something else, I think. But alcohol is 45% probably of my fun. So I ain't trying to kick 45% of my fun to the curb for a cup of Joe every morning. I'm a one cup guy. Well, see, the good news with me is I'll find a buzz. Might not come from alcohol. I'll find a bus. Don't Brian worry. smokes weed. No, I mean, I'll find a bus. I'm not uh, saying yeah. that, but I'll find a bus. Weed somewhere. smoker over I'll here. I'll find someone. So- I'll find a bus somewhere. Maybe I'm high on life. I don't know. I'll find a bus somewhere. Maybe you go for a nice run. <laughs> yeah, get a runner's get high. Get a runner's high. Because <laughs> that's a thing, right? That's what I, they say. That's what I hear, but it's always hard to light the joint while you're running down the street. <laughs> can't hold a cup of coffee when you're running down the street either. Uh, you can if you got one of those neat little uh, like uh, travel mugs. You're going to wind up in a burn unit. That's not what you need. <laughs> Alcohol never hurt anybody, though, so I can't give that oh, up. Oh, no, 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 never. Can't, can't never, give it up. Never, no. Can't give no, it up. Nothing ever went wrong with alcohol. Dale loves training camp. Pursuta loves training camp. I love training camp. Not as much as them or as much as I used to, but I do. Uh, and I feel like nobody in the right mind would love it. If there was no drinking. Oh, not at all. Could you imagine us instituting a no drinking policy? Ah! Like, hey, everybody, all the talent, like, look, there's been lots of talk about you guys getting after it and everything, but we got to be less aggressive. So no drinking at all. You guys just go back to your hotel rooms, hang out, and, you know, just don't make a scene. There are no hotel rooms. I would have no host. I would have no host left here. Although the coffee's probably necessary the next morning to drag all our asses up. Yeah. So it's a yin and yang. It is, man. You know what I find interesting is you'll go to like a dinner party, right? And you'll you'll be drinking all night, and then a couple of dudes will be sitting there like, "Let me get a cup of coffee. I need to sober up." Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll do it. That's the same guy that's throwing pennies in his mouth to like beat the breathalyzer. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, get there. Just stop. I had a buddy in high school who bought a breathalyzer just so that we would always know not to drive, which is just, hey, how how. Effed up are you? So I almost, much fun. Almost so much there. fun. Yeah. To do. Who could blow? Who could blow higher yep. on the breathalyzer? It becomes a competition. Exactly. It does. It's a game. You know the one thing that always beat it though. No, no joke. Is if you take a spoonful of peanut butter beforehand, you eat it, and you blow that breathalyzer, you're coming way short of what you actually are. Yeah, but in the field, that's not very practical. You're like, hey, officer, hold on. Let me open my jar of Skippy here. I'll scoop it out. And, you know, one second with the breathalyzer, let me go. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to take a breathalyzer now. Let's go. The police report just says he's hammered and he can't talk because he's got a mouthful of peanut butter. Hammered and almost choked to death on peanut butter. (laughs) I mean. Is it time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun to be brought to you by To Be Determined? Probably not. 
Probably oh, not. it is. I, I have faith in Tom. Even though he left us for DVE early, I think he's on top of it. I kind of want to talk about peanut butter breathalyzers, though. Do you? And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. Woo! Eli Rogers says that he's going to decide where he's going to wind up playing over the next two days. And you might not think that that's a big deal. And that's because it's not. But I do think that it matters to the Pittsburgh Steelers a little bit. You need to have depth at that position. I'm okay with your two outside guys being Juju and Antonio Brown. But there will be circumstances where you'll need to have players in the slot. A lot of times you're going to be playing with three wide receivers and... I guess you could slide Juju Smith-Schuster inside and have, on the outside, James Washington. But I don't know if James Washington's going to be any good at the National Football League level. What I do know is Eli Rogers can be. So you bring him back, and then you can play with things. You can determine skill sets. You can find out a little bit about James Washington. And I think at that point, you could take off. Uh, I think that at that point, you have faith that you'll find a combination that works. Uh, Eli Rogers is very capable from the slot. Juju Smith-Schuster, also capable from the slot. You're not going to move Eli Rogers, though, outside. Juju absolutely can play out there. It all comes down to James Washington. And if you're not going to have Eli Rogers around, uh, then you're going to have to look more towards Darius Hayward Bay. And I think Darius Hayward Bay is a very good football player, uh, but not a very great wide receiver. Uh, He'll run down the field. He'll cover for you. Uh, he'll play special teams. You can give him the ball and end around. He can draw the defense towards him at times as that deep threat because he does still have that burning speed. But the hands just aren't there. I'd much rather push him down the depth chart, allow him to be that special teams guy, and not have to rely on him in some packages where you're going to run four wide receivers. So it might not be the most important thing. I don't think Eli Rogers is going to determine whether or not the Steelers are Super Bowl contenders or not, uh, but he would help. That's right. That's three minutes on Eli Rogers. Troy Polamalu is the 13th best safety ever, according to Gil Brandt. Hey, eat a bag of feces, Gil Brandt. Woo! You can't see what I'm doing right now, but you suck on this. You can't see where my hand is, but I'm grabbing something right now. Sniff that, Gil. Gil Brandt is a football evaluator. Gil Brandt is a smart guy. There are not 12 safeties in the world, and there never has been 12 safeties in this world that are better than Troy Palomalo. And I venture to say, as long as the world exists, thousands upon thousands, millions upon millions, if football was played the way it's played now, for now, until the end of time, you're not going to find 12 better safeties than Troy Palomalo. Now, Gil Brandt did, but you won't, and I won't. And that's just not me being biased. That's me having some facts. Uh, He had Brian Dawkins, the fifth best safety of all time. Uh, Meanwhile, he had Ed Reed, the fourth best safety of all time. Ed Reed had 92 career interceptions. Uh, Ed Reed's taking the ball away a bunch. I think that's wrong. I think 72 interceptions. That's my bad there. Uh, I typed that one up wrong. 72 career interceptions. That's a lot of picks. But he played the position that way. As a ball hawk. As your traditional free safety. Uh, Troy Polamalu was in the box a bunch, and he had 37 interceptions. Brian Dawkins was more along the lines of Ed Reed, in my opinion, than a Troy Polamalu type, and yet Troy had as many picks as he did. So you're going to rank him eight spots higher 
Because why? Troy was not that productive from an interception standpoint? Ah, bite me, Gil Brandt. I think he did this, in all honesty. Because Steelers fans are a huge fan base. Just to rile them up, get clicks. Get people like me talking about it. So that there could be clicks. One more note here in the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. The Steelers and Kenny would have teamed up, baby, for Steelers country to be a three-acre amusement park inside of an amusement park at Kennywood. And we were talking earlier about some names for some rides. And I got one here for you. Mm-hmm. I know I know, Brian's got a couple of two. How about... Alameda Teamu Southside Bumper Cars. <laughs> I'd ride that. I would I mean, not. With a seatbelt. I would not. <laughs> like a helmet, too. I don't think you can. <laughs> How about a carousel? Yeah, you know, you got your horses and everything, but this is the Juju Smith-Schuster carousel. Got a bunch of bikes on, and then Kennywood employee runs out and tries to take it from under you <laughs> while you're going around in a circle. You also, another addition to, uh, to Steeler Land, Al Villanueva. It's a stand-up roller coaster. Yeah! Woo! What else you got? Uh, how about the Lev Bell ride? You need a Lev Bell ride, right? You do? You absolutely do. Well, the Lev Bell ride here, it stops every 15 feet, asks you for more money to continue. <laughs> Jonathan tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. How about the Martavis Bryant roller coaster? Really fun ride the first year, then is broken down for repairs the next year or so. When finally repaired, it's not nearly as fun. Smells like stank-ass skunk, and eventually they break it down and ship it to Cali for scrap. Oh, that, no. That is specific right there. A little bit added thing to that. I've been on that ride before. It goes really high. Not to be blunt. How about the uh, Troy Polamalu? It's kind of in the same vein as Ghostwood Estate, where you have to go through with a gun and targets, but Gil Brandt just keeps popping out and tries to rank Polamalu 13th on his list, and you just shoot him with the target. <laughs> oh, no. uh, kind of a stretch there, Todd. I think it works. Yeah, just... well, I, could, I could see the little gun range, you know, the little ping, ping, have them all ping, over the place at Kennywood. Ping. Yeah. Pretty cool. That was a little stretch. I'm trying to help him. I know. You're trying to help him. I was just trying to move on. <laughs> Jesus, Todd. <laughs> I mean, that's what you come back with from DVE. These are the kind of jokes you get down on DVE. Is this yeah. what happens there? Not about talk? the Ben Roethlisberger. Go where on. you throw a football. No, stop. Okay. <laughs> stop it. No, stop it. No. I mean, Jesus. No. No. Jerome Bettis. No. <laughs> Some of the school bus. No. He's really bad at this game. He's really, really bad at this game. Like, we're trying to provide content, give some idea starters for listeners and stuff, and you just roll in from DVE, not helping at all. Tony Brown, some with a haircut, probably. Stop it! Know. Stop <laughs> it! It's tough. I do got a Heinz Ward one, though. You get on the roller coaster, and they just put a chip on your shoulder. Yes. See, Tom, that's how it that's works. How you, that's how, that's you how you do it, Tom. That's how you do it. You do the Fats Holmes, and it's just a helicopter getting shot at. To stuff to it, you just never make it through the full ride. He's always hurt. How about the Mason Rudolph where he just sits behind you in the back on the second chair? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Is that bad? Uh, It's better than Tom's. Come on. Oh, my God, yeah. Tom's are horrific. Tom's a funny guy, too. I don't know what happened here. Like, I think DVE did something to him today. Yeah. Like, something something went wrong. It's supposed to be about the comedy. Did they just suck your funny? 
Landry Jones. Something must have happened. Something with here sitting in the back. No! Oh. <laughs> Dangerously close to demerits. Dangerously close. We bringing those back just for this segment? I, yeah. How about the Dree Archer? You must be this tall to ride. No? 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 You know, the Pittsburgh Plunge is actually appropriately named to be a Pittsburgh Pirates ride. Coming up next! Hold on, James Harrison is he's in with one. He came up with an idea. Yeah? He calls it the Tomlin. You have no idea where it is. You don't know where to go for it or anything. You're just expected to do it. We got to get out of this segment. Do we? Was that a bad one? I think it was bad. Oh, come on. Do I have to? Because he, like, Tomlin doesn't show anybody how to play defense. There's no order. There's nothing. Well, so remember Our, remember the segment that we did with the movie? What was it? The movie trailers? Remember how bad I was at that? You're not that bad at this. Yeah. You've had good ones. Tom, however, Tom's horrific. Well, more. No, stop it. Stop it. The Willie Parker, you just ride it till the wheels fall off. I'm out. Coming up next. Ended on a good one. Yeah. Yeah. We've got the audio from James Harrison ripping. Eh. Or telling the truth about Mike Tomlin. It's a Crowley show.